Hey, Grimey. So, I have to admit, before we kick off the show, I'm a little bit confused as to what this is all supposed to be about. How am I supposed to fill an hour talking about sharts? Sharts. Sharts. Yeah, I know what they are, and they're pretty disgusting, but, like, I don't know if I can talk about them for an hour. You you misunderstood me. I said sharks, Derek. Sharts? Sharks. Sharts. We're saying the same thing. No, 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 no. Sharts. No, no, no. Like, like Jaws. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Sharks. Oh. Oh, my sharts don't sound anything like that. They're <laughs> they're a lot more wet. They're a lot grosser. <laughs> Do you really not know what I'm saying? No, no. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I think it makes a lot of sense because we have officially entered into Shark Week, America's favorite week out of probably the entire year. Oh, yeah, especially during the summertime. There's not really that much to look forward to. Shark Week. I mean, who the fuck doesn't like Shark Week? You know what's incredible to me is that one TV station managed to take an animal in the sea make an entire week's worth of programming out of it, and an entire country lost their collective minds over it. That's that's really impressive, because Shark Week, it's just one one TV channel. That's that's insane to me. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, I still don't really understand how they pick which week it's going to be. It's different every year, from what I understand. Like, when I was looking it up, I was trying to figure out exactly when we should do this, and it got closer and closer to July. It's always one week in July, but it's never guaranteed to be the same week. And this week, this time, it's during the 24th. Right, right, yeah. Kind of like Easter. Uh, it has something to do with Jesus, I'm pretty sure. So I think <laughs> they pick Shark Week based off of something religious. I just don't know what. I haven't really understood that part of it. <laughs> the second coming of Jaws. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I guess that we're going to spend the evening talking about sharks because everybody else is talking about sharks. So why not us, Grimey? Absolutely. That is eight sharks total, four sharks each. All different kinds of motherfucking sharks up in this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, sharks from pop culture, from our brain stew, you name it. Who's going to go first? That would be me, uh, mainly because I want to talk about sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their freaking heads, but I forgot to add it onto my list, so that's going to have to count, Grimey. Grimy, I know, like me, you were growing up in the 1990s, and in the 1990s, advertising was hot and heavy targeted towards us kids. Oh, yeah. Poppin'. They did not care nearly as much about advertising to adults as they did to kids, which meant that even the most random commercials were trying to appeal to us. Let's uh, take a look at this Hostess Cupcake Shark commercial from 1997. Do you remember this one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This fucker played the better half of my summer vacation, at least. At least. And, I mean, for many, many years in a row. I don't know if this is where it started, but uh, this commercial is famous for the catchphrase, Hey, where's the cream filling? It's a beautiful commercial. I mean, they've had, what, probably three or four of them with different animals, but easily enough, uh, the shark one is probably the most famous and my personal favorite of the bunch. Absolutely. Um, None of them slap nearly as hard as this shark one. So, uh... For those of you who are just listening and might not remember it, let me set the stage for you. So, in typical Jaws fashion, because they're just riffing on Jaws, because really, everything that's shark-related riffs on Jaws in some way. Like, everything after 1975, it's got to riff on Jaws. And in the 90s, I'd argue, that was the biggest thing that they would do with sharks. Like, you had to do Jaws because everybody got it. It was like a universal joke that everybody had to make. 
So we're swimming through the blue water with the fish, the fish, the shark. (laughs) 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 And the shark looks up and above you at the top of the water, you see what looks like an upside down hostess cupcake floating bobbing up and down because it's just this big brown circle and it's got the infamous white squiggle of icing going straight down the middle. So here you are with the shark thinking, man, this guy just found the world's largest hostess cupcake floating in the ocean until they switch perspectives and we're above water and you find out it's just a lady in a brown bathing suit that also has a squiggle resembling that line of icing Floating in a tire tube. So, as you can imagine, the shark jumps up, tries to eat her, ends up popping her tube. She goes flying hundreds of feet in the air. Like, she goes high. Like, real high. And uh, you find out, you you get a better look at the shark. He's sort of cartoony looking. He's real. He's realistic. But he's definitely got, like, a cartoon vibe about him. And then he says in a very uh, New Jersey... (laughs) Brooklyn-y accent. Hey, where's the cream filling? And I don't understand why they made that creative choice, but I love it. Uh, Like a mobster, Italian-sounding shark just trying to eat some Hostess cupcakes in the sea. It's it's perfection. It's it's beauty. It is, and it, if anything, enabled countless amount of kids. To just repeat this line. Hey, where's the cream filling? You know, the the late 80s kids had vat, more dip. We had, hey, where's the cream filling? The last thing that I'm going to mention here, my favorite shot of the whole commercial, shark aside, there's like eight or ten packs of the Hostess cupcakes floating around the Hostess logo, just circling it, kind of like the rings of Saturn. And that has been burned into my brain since I was a kid. They just look so appealing there. And I don't know about you, but the Hostess Cupcakes have always been my number one Hostess cake. Okay. 100%, no questions. Man, oh, that's tough. But um, shit, yeah, there isn't much more iconic than like, I mean, you know, the obvious is Twinkies, but the Hostess Cupcake with that that black with the swirl, man, you can't beat those. Those things are amazing. You can't can't beat them. Cannot remember the last time I had one of those. And this episode, if anything, is your excuse to go out and get one and indulge on our behalf. Yeah, you the listeners, because not me, because I buy these things on the regular. Okay. The way that that (laughs) frosting is always like a little bit crunchy. Oh, yeah. You just like Mm -hmm. bite into it. Oh, my God. It's got that nice little coating on the outside. And then the the swirl just like flakes off. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so fake, but in the best way. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Derek, so I wanted to start this one off immediately so I could talk a little bit about what I've been sipping on since we started this episode, and that is Sharkleberry Finn Kool-Aid. You know what I'm talking about, buddy? Mm, yes, I do. You actually sent me a packet I of did. the... Uh, Shart Colberry, and dumbass me forgot to make it. So I'm sitting here <laughs> drinking water like a dumbass while you're sipping on something absolutely delicious. Oh, it's it's good. I did not forget to make it, obviously. Uh, and boy, what a treat that was. So I was texting you earlier and telling you that I haven't made Kool-Aid since I was probably like 10 years old, maybe even younger. Um, boy, that was kind of a trip down memory lane. I decided to put it in this old juicy juice container that I decided to keep and as easy as it would to be to just put the the sugar in a funnel and the Kool-Aid packet in a funnel, I still managed to get sugar and Kool-Aid stains all over the place. So uh I'm sorry, girlfriend. Did not mean to uh make a mess of your kitchen (laughs) (laughs) ah see i feel like you did yourself a disservice by trying to make it easier and cleaner to make because there is only one proper way to make kool-aid you need to get out that old ass tupperware jug that has the like the suction plug top. top yep yeah and you gotta mix it in that and i don't know about you 
But when I was growing up, I have no idea where it came from. I don't know if my mom got it, if it was handed down by my grandmother. There was a Kool-Aid spoon that we had, specifically for mixing Kool-Aid. Oh, It was a red, bright red spoon, and then the actual spoon head itself had the uh, cutout of the Kool-Aid face, the Kool-Aid man's face, right in the spoon. Oh, and you'd yeah. use that to sit there and stir all your sugar in and stir all the mix in and mix it up. So, yeah, I mean, it's part of the ritual, man. I can agree with that. I actually just found one of those Kool-Aid spoons the other day at Goodwill. Uh, I did decide to keep that off to the side. Had to had to dismiss that one. I didn't feel like waiting 10 minutes to pay for just the spoon. There was like a line of motherfuckers mm-hmm. there and I wasn't having it. You left it with the Jurassic Park toys. I left it with the Jurassic Park toys. You got to keep that balance, bro. <laughs> yeah, the balance. It's all about the balance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Sharkleberry, he originally appeared with I'm going to say six other mascot Kool-Aid flavors back in like the late 80s, early 90s. I'm not exactly sure the date. It's not very clear online either. Wasn't a lot of information on Kool-Aid in general, just mostly what flavors did come out and not the time period. But Sharkleberry, among the other five, uh, including Purple Source Rex and uh, the Great Blue Dini, Rockadile Red, you know what I'm talking about. Well, there was one other one, but we won't get into that. Um, Sharkleberry was a pink shark that the Kool-Aid man is riding on. He has these sweet sunglasses on and they got like the little string to keep him around his flipper there. You know what he kind of looks like? What's that? He kind of looks like Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Tom Cruise? <laughs> He's got a maverick thing going maverick? on. Yeah, I could, I could almost Between the that. shades and the grin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's the Scientology shark. Maybe that's who he is. That could be. That could be. I'm telling you, so these Kool-Aids, eventually, they came back in 2015, I want to say, maybe 2016. I'm an avid Kool-Aid collector. I have a lot of Kool-Aid packets here on my desk right now, and the original Sharkleberry is just so much prettier. This, like, hand-drawn look, the colors, they're just so pretty. And then we have these new ones that are all, you can tell they're, like, digitally designed. They're a little more detailed, I guess, but, like, not in any of the good ways. Yeah, it definitely has a more airbrushed look about it with these uh the newer packets and the older packets you know what the older packets the art on it sort of reminds me of like bubblegum comics like yes. uh bazooka joe yes. or, or yep. something like that That's it's just accurate. got that really clean uh like line art and just very bright colors and it sort of has the stippling on it from what i can tell from what i'm looking at um, but yeah, uh, the new ones, or I should say newer ones, because they're still kind of uh, getting older now. Yeah. <laughs> eh, they just look a little, they look a little sterile. Yeah, I can agree with that. I guess I'm just happy that they did eventually come back. So this is supposed to be an orange, strawberry, and banana flavored punch. Uh, I've had the jammers before. This is the only one of the, the five or six other mascots that came back that ended up in jammer form and this is the first time i'm having it uh, since probably the first time it ever came out in packet form so i i'm, I'm already going to tell you that I, I love the jammer form a little bit more for some reason uh, i i assumed it would have been different like i would have probably liked the uh the kool-aid packet version more but it's it's not that's that's not my opinion at all i i love uh jammer version a lot more Hmm. did you use brown sugar grimy is that the problem that we're having here (laughs) no man i didn't use brown sugar i used regular old uh ajax (laughs) oh no (laughs) that's sugar so i know this is the shark episode and we're here to talk about sharks but i have to ask is sharkleberry your favorite of those five kool-aid flavors because it's mm. certainly not mine. He's not my favorite. Who's your number one? Oh, man, my number one, it's got to be Pink Swimingo. Pink Swimingo? You're a Pink Swimingo guy? I am, yep. I, from the packet all the way down to the Kool-Aid flavor, the color of the drink, everything about it, love it. I get it. He's a cool-looking guy, but I've always been a Purple Saurus Rex kind of guy. Purple Saurus Rex? Okay, I can respect that. Yeah. Which is kind of funny, because I really don't go for grape flavors very often, but that's one of the good ones. You know, it's it's grape lemonade. It's, it's an interesting combination, but it's good. It's refreshing. It's refreshing. Boy, I am down, I think this is going straight to me. It's like, you put an entire cup of sugar in this two quarts of water, by the way. I don't know if any of you guys remember that, but yeah, uh, making Kool-Aid today was a fucking eye-opener. I was like, damn, we actually drank this fucking abomination? <laughs> <laughs> 
And that was the recommended amount of sugar. Mm. I know people who would put like three times the amount oh of sugar. And it was just yep. like sludge water. I'm almost positive we were that family. So here's to Sharkleberry Finn. Here's to ancient sludge water. We love you, Sharkleberry. So I think I mentioned it on a previous episode, but I'll say it again for good measure. When I was growing up, I had a pool and I loved my pool. It was the greatest thing ever to have in the backyard during the summers when you were a kid, because I don't know about you, but I hated being outside. I was definitely way more of an indoor kid than an outdoor kid. You didn't love melting out in the fucking sun? (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually actively despised it, Uh, which I think now my parents couldn't have known that I would be that way because the pool was actually there before I was born. Okay. But I think that was the one way that they were able to get me outside and exercising regularly is by saying, all right, go hop in the pool. It's time. Mm. So with that being said, I loved it. I had a great time. I loved it water guns and splash bombs and anything that you could think of being in the pool. But as I got a little bit older, I was old enough to be left alone for a couple minutes in the pool without fear of drowning, like immediately, you know, (laughs) my parents would come back, they'd check on me. But uh, when I hit that age, maybe around like eight, nine years old, I'd be in there for a few minutes alone by myself. And my favorite thing to do was swim underwater. And I remember hitting this phase that I'll call the pool shark phase. Do you know where I'm going with this? Oh, yeah. Yep. Definitely. I have this I have this idea that this is like a collective thing that we all experienced at some point or another, whether you owned a pool or not, like when you were swimming at some point and you might have even been in the shower. I don't know. When I would close my eyes and I was alone in the in the pool, I had this fear that a shark was somehow going to burst up through the earth, be in my swimming pool and come after me. And I was going to have to jump out of the pool really, really fast so I didn't get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> oh and this God. is why they say kids are idiots, because it's true. <laughs> now, did this... Like, did you watch Jaws before this happened or like, was there anything leading up to it or it was just plain and simple getting to the pool and there might be a shark in there, buddy, so watch out. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not like I watched Jaws or anything because I actually didn't see Jaws until later in life. Um, But I do live in Massachusetts Hmm. and without fail, almost every year, July rolls around And there's always a news story that a great white has been spotted off the coast of Cape Cod because, of course, Jaws was filmed around here. That's the big whole plot of the movie that a great white is off the the coast of the Cape. And so any chance that the news out here gets to report on a great white (laughs) swimming around at the beach, they do it and they talk about it for like days as if it's a shock like it's an ocean obviously a shark's gonna pop up every now and then but they really really play it up out here so i think that always got in my head because every morning every night my mom would have the news on and i would hear it no matter what time of day it was so i'd always get the gist of the stories and that was always the news story that would pop out you know and stick out in my mind so i would hear that and i think like I don't know. Kids make up stupid, stupid ideas. I was like, what if there's like underground tunnels and somehow a shark is able to swim under my front yard and burst up through my pool? And you know why it's really stupid? I live in a city about at least an hour away from any ocean by car. So it's not like there's a coast and they could have somehow like found a little bit of an underground tunnel no that wasn't the case at all i was just being an idiot hey you never know you you could have been the next headliner in the newspaper i could have i could have been the next headliner 
Um, you know, it was always the worst. Uh, it was like when it was right at dusk, cause sometimes we would do some night swimming Okay, and then it would get real scary for me. Oh yeah. Real spooky. So we would turn on like one spotlight and then, uh, man, I'm just going to start talking about my pool now because there's some <laughs> like core memories formed at this pool and some perfect summer memories. Uh, sharks aside, I like, I remember when I was young flicking on this spotlight and swimming at night and it was so crazy. You could like look up and as soon as you looked up, you could see the bats like basically dive bombing the pool, picking up all the mosquitoes out oh, of the yeah. air. Yep. So night pools, man, there's something about it, especially when you have this idea that a shark might be lurking with you in the deep end. Even though I didn't have a deep end, it was an above ground pool. It was all the same deepness, but you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. See, my, my fear of sharks, and I was actually afraid of sharks at one point in time. I'm the typical kid, watched Jaws. My mom, it was like one of her favorite movies. Watched Jaws the first time ever. Never wanted to go in any fucking body of water ever again. Whether it was like a bathtub or a pool or a lake or anything. I didn't know enough about sharks, how they got places, where they went, how they got there. It didn't matter. If it was a body of water, I was like, fuck that shit. <laughs> so what you're telling me is that you exclusively wash your body with baby wipes baby for wipes? like six oh. months after seeing yes. Jaws. <laughs> yes. Anything was better than getting into my tub, knowing that there might be a shark in there. Shark infested tub. <laughs> uh, I guess the last thing that I'll say, because you brought it up, shark infested tub, uh, was, you know what my favorite toy to take with me into the tub or the pool was street sharks street sharks (laughs) speaking of street sharks So yeah, talk about a segue. A plus, buddy. Hey. (laughs) If you you need him, he's got him. (laughs) So yeah, Street Sharks. This was probably one of my most obvious choices. When we started thinking about this episode, uh, it was kind of intimidating, honestly. How many shark things can you really talk about? Regardless of what picks we did choose, we felt necessary necessary (laughs) that Street Sharks... Should be here. It's just, it's the Sharkleberry fin getting to me, man. I'm telling you, it's just, it's got me wired. <laughs> he's hopped up on goofballs. It's, he's all hopped up. Street sharks. So, yeah, I love the street sharks. Um, I've always loved them ever since I was a kid and I got the, my first boxed figure that came in that cool little cage. It looks like they're trying to break out. Uh, I feel like this is an insanely underutilized IP. Um, they had oh, yeah. this line of toys uh they had a cartoon that didn't really make it past i think oh man i can't remember i think there was only like one or two seasons and uh there there weren't very many episodes in each um back in 1994 have you ever watched any of these cartoons before i watched it when i was a kid i really yeah. that that's kind of where it where, where it ends for me like i remember watching it probably the reruns when i was really really young mm-hmm but it really is the figures for me, man. And didn't they have a pasta at one point too? They did. Like a canned yes. pasta. Of course. Yeah, like everything else. That's my biggest memory is the canned street sharks pasta. Sitting right next to the, the Sonic pasta and the TMNT right next to pasta. The Sonic pasta. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But this uh yeah, this cartoon series came out and just like the TMNT, it promoted uh an action figure line, which is like we both said, is what we're both like fixated on when it comes to street sharks. I mean, I can look to my left right now. I have what five, six, seven, eight street sharks figures. Uh, I couldn't tell you much about them aside from that. To be honest, I barely know them by name. Um, I think I maybe watched one or two episodes of the cartoon. But when you say street sharks, uh, instantly the the toys come to mind. Absolutely. I mean, and like I mentioned earlier perfect perfect water toys like 
I don't think that they really even had that much water functionality, if any at all. I don't know. Literally it's been none. a long time. Literally but none. But like the skin on on those, yes. some of them, like I think I'm uh, thinking specifically of the orca whale one. Oh, Do you yeah. know what yep. one I'm talking yep. about? I, that's one actually I have right front and center with the big tongue. That one, like the texture on the tongue was mm-hmm. so good. And like just playing with it in the bathtub is perfect. So I like, I had him, I had just the standard great white guy. I remember. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think there was a Brown one too, isn't there? Yes. So I had those three for sure. But I, you know what? I always thought it was a shame that that series, that that IP never got a scrolling beat em up a video game like the TMNT games. Oh, yeah. That would have been yep. the sickest video game. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this is one of the lines that I'm surprised isn't utilized more. And I know recently there was some, I can't even remember what the, the name of the uh, the company was, but they did like do a Street Shark action figure set. Like it's like two or three different ones, but they like, I'm just going to say it. They kind of ruined the fucking figures. I just, I thought they looked dumb. I, I didn't think they looked good at all. Like I was, I was really blown away when I saw the packaging and I was like, holy shit, someone's doing something with street charts. Nope. It's not my favorite. Yeah. It's a shame. And it's kind of crazy that it's never managed to make any sort of a comeback. It was just like that. It was it. And then it's been over and there's a few of us that remember it and they really haven't made any efforts to do anything with it, which is just really a shame. Yep, absolutely. Some of the coolest figures from the 90s, no doubt about it. They're so cool that even our buddy Vin Diesel got on in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're bringing this up? You've seen it? Oh my God, Vin Diesel with hair. <laughs> Vin Diesel with hair. Oh my god! I see. I was. This was one of them things I was gonna send you before the show, and I kind of forgot. So I don't even have to send it. You already know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, infamous. I love it. It's yeah. just a man struggling to break into acting gets hired for a gig to promote this one-off action yes. figure line that never gained any sort of notoriety. Who then later becomes one of the biggest action stars. Of all time, just for us to dig up this dirt of him at some toy convention or toy expo, just selling the shit out of these toy sharks. What are we looking at here? We're looking at Boomer. This is Boomer. He's got the biggest mouth of them all. He's the whale shark. Say hello to that round mound of pound and his power slam. Very deadly. Oh yeah, easily one of the coolest moments probably I've I've ever witnessed. And I did I saw this on TV when it aired. Like I was there front and center. I I was there. And this was my first introduction to Street Sharks. Seeing this 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 dude, this fucking muscle-bound dude just playing with sharks. I was like, "Wow. They're so badass." And like at one point um <laughs> one of the sharks actually has uh it's a troll doll of Michelangelo the turtle in uh the mouth and he's talking about how they'll take a bite out of competition and yada yada and that kind of spoke volumes to me because I was always and forever I'm a TMNT kid but like the street sharks thing was just new and different and exciting and I had to get my hands on it and uh yeah eventually I ended up getting one of them in a box, and it came in this box. It was like a cage, and they're breaking out of it, and it had real cool, real feel skin, and it just was a completely different action figure from Turtles, but like kind of fit with that too. The same scale, you could have them battling each other and shit like that. And uh, boy, believe me, I did do that. Like that was the first thing I thought oh, about. Yeah. I think in terms of Turtles knockoffs, they were definitely some of the coolest. Oh yeah, definitely. Shark, shark, shark attack! This shark is like a maniac. It's shark attack. Just roll the dice, and when your color comes up, move your fish fast. The fish that survives will be the winner. So don't be last, or you'll be the dinner. Shark, shark, shark attack! What are you gonna do? It's coming! It's coming! It's coming! It's coming to get you! Do you remember the board game by Milton Bradley called Shark Attack? I do remember this game. You do? That's great news for me because that's my next pick. Can you believe it? That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. I will tell you that the only reason I do know about it 
is because I bought it the other day at Goodwill. Oh my God. You actually bought something at Goodwill and didn't leave it? Yeah, I did. I saw this. Wow. And it like the original box. And I was like, this has to come home with me. And now I've heard of it. Never played it. Had to buy it. That makes two of us. And I don't even own it. I've never played this game, but I felt very compelled to talk about it because, boy, it was a game I always wanted to play. It was just so cool. The concept here, do you want me to explain it to you? I might as well explain it to you. Yeah, why don't you? All right, I looked it up. It's a race and a chase and a swim for your life escape. You are one of four little fish that encounter a shark with a ferocious appetite. You've got to move and move fast. Man, that sounds freaking stressful, eh? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it sounds very stressful it and uh, I'll, I'll describe the game a little bit but I will say the commercial for this game yes it looks super super stressful so the whole point is that you roll these dice and on each side there's a different color uh, dot on, on the dice right each of you is a color of fish <clears throat> And the color of your fish is represented on these dice. So you all take turns rolling once, and whoever rolls, uh, you know, whatever color gets rolled, you get to move one space. Right. So if you're not fast enough, there's this motorized, very stylized shark that's just spinning around in a circle around the board, chomping and chomping and chomping away, chasing you the whole time. So it really behooves you all to play fast, to roll fast, and to try to get your fish out of the way. Um, So eventually, the shark is going to creep up behind you and swallow your fish. And when that happens, you're out of the game. So the whole point of this game is that the last fish to escape the shark's bite ends up winning. So it's a fairly simple enough game. It's a pretty simple concept. And it sort of reminds me of Perfection, where it's not really about strategy. It's just about giving kids a fucking anxiety disorder. (laughs) And I know that this game, uh, I guess it was released in 1988. So this game came out in the late 80s. It was heavily promoted, you know, throughout the early and mid 90s. Um and I know that other games uh, like that I'm going to mention, like Perfection, uh, Operation, they weren't necessarily created around that time, but they were being pushed super, super heavily at that time. And I know I said it as a joke that they gave us kids anxiety disorders, but just look at how many people are diagnosed right now about our age with anxiety disorders and look at the games that they are pushing to us when we were kids. Perfection? Are you kidding me? I'm sure if I had this shark attack game, I would have been in a fucking uh, in stitches and I would need actual professional help. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was bad enough that you were looking for fucking sharks in your pool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's the last thing I needed was to be chased around this board in a rapid pace by uh, by this motorized shark. He was coming after the blue fish. I was the blue fish. (laughs) So yeah, this uh, Shocker Attack board game, it's got a really great commercial. Have you seen this commercial yet? No, I haven't. Let me bring her up here right quick. Take a spin. Ooh, it's cartoony. Yes, and that's the whole point. Oh, you got eated. It's coming. Oh, they should have made like little boats too. That would have been pretty sweet. I definitely remember this commercial though. Yeah. So that's the point that I was going to make is yes, it's a great commercial. I love the animation. The animation is like Saturday morning cartoon quality, if not a little bit higher. Oh yeah. Easily. There's such a difference in what they're selling in the commercial versus what the actual game is. In the game, you're a fish, all right? Circle of life, natural order of things in nature, right? In this uh, in this commercial, the shark is going after people. And not just, oh, yeah. like, people that deserve it. Like, at the end, 
it's it's tough to say that they deserve it. I don't know these people. All right, no, no, but they it's fucking like, deserve it. They got yachts. Fuck them. That's what I'm saying. Like the people at the end, they have a yacht, so it's like, well, they probably are doing something that might not be on the up and up. But like, there's the guy in the beginning of the commercial. He's stranded. This man is on like a paddle boat, just trying to get to safety, and the shark is trying to fucking eat his head off. Well, he's just trying to shorten his his uh. His struggle, you know, he's never going to make it to land, apparently. The shark is just looking out for oh. his best interest, you know. Oh, I see. Okay, so this is actually a, a moral shark. He's got a lot of empathy. He says, <laughs> listen, pal, I can make this quick and as least painful as this can possibly be, or you can die a slow, slow death out here on the old, uh, cold, unforgiving ocean. <laughs> I will give you $100 for that game. <laughs> Uh, maybe uh, there's a way that we can update this uh, shark attack board game for the uh, millennial, older millennials, where it's just like, what will get me first, inflation or this shark? <laughs> but no, seriously, they could have been a little more creative with the game pieces. I mean, take Monopoly, for instance. They could have had, like, I don't know, someone's water skin. They could have had a boat they could have had the little guy in the rowboat man it only took me to watch that commercial real quick to think of all these things you're telling me that like six people in this like executive office sitting around with their cigars couldn't come up with something better than just four colored fish maybe they didn't want to promote eating other people cannibalism is very frowned upon they made the commercial and beautiful cartoon detail you know I picture the uh, the board members of that company getting back that commercial and going, "What the fuck?" So, uh, one of my new things since we started this uh, podcast adventure is trying to steer away from anything TMNT related because I know that it gets kind of redundant coming from like a huge TMNT fan. But today I have to make an exception. We're going into TMNT and we are talking about Armagon, the anthropomorphic shark, TMNT antagonist. I love an antagonist. <laughs> I have seen him before. Yes, have you? yes I have. <laughs> so yes, Armagon. He's a mutant shark from the future in TMNT Adventures comic from Archie who teams up with Shredder attempting to steal the time slip generator from Donatello's laboratory. He first appeared in The Mighty Mutanimals number 7 as a prelude to his story arc in TMNT Adventures Future Shark Trilogy. What a mouthful, eh? Yeah, yeah that's a, that was a... I can't believe I made it through that one. Um, <laughs> you did it, though. Good I know, I know, right? Thanks, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so Armagon is kind of a strange character. He's not in the cartoon series, the original uh, Fred Wolf. Fred Wolf. Uh, he's not in that original 87 cartoon series at all. He doesn't show up until the Archie comic series, and then he shows up again in the, I think, only the Sega Genesis cartridge of the uh, Tournament Fighters game. Definitely not just Sega, because I was going to say, I think that's where I know him from, is the Tournament Fighters game, and I only had the Super Nintendo version. Okay, so he's in both Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. That makes yeah. sense. So yeah, he uh, never made it to the cartoon. Uh, they never made an action figure of him, but somehow managed to make it into both the Genesis and the Super Nintendo video game. Again, he's just one of them underutilized characters, much like Street Sharks. You don't really see anything about him. He did, however, appear in the recent Nickelodeon series, like the 2012 one. Okay. Love that series. I did too, actually. I did like a little bit about it. There's just so many different TMNT series now. It's like the fandom is all over the place with it too. Either you love it or hate it. Um, I tend to be in yeah. the middle. I'm okay with it. It's not for me, obviously. It's for kids, but like I'll deal with it 
as long as I get cool new turtle stuff. I'll tell you though, I, I wasn't crazy about its design in uh, this recent series. They did make an action figure of him for this series and it just, I don't know. I wasn't into it. My biggest problem I had with that series is that all of the characters designs I personally thought lacked a uh, uh, very distinct style. Like it felt kind of generic, you know? Oh yeah. Yep. In the way that this new series feels generic too. It feels just like that standard cookie cutter, uh, cartoon network art style. Yeah. That's sort of how the 2012 series felt to me, but the stories were pretty good. So I can't really complain too much. Right. I tell you a little side tangent here. The one that I hated the most was uh slash's character design that just what a fucking slap in the face to slash he's just just like giant round fucking oh my god i'm looking at him now he does look really stupid he just looks like a dope yeah he does kind of look dopey i'm not gonna lie mm, not a great look but yeah but anyways so armagon yeah i i I wish they would have used him more however neca is making a figure of him uh, he was supposed to be here like last year or two or three or four years ago. I can't remember. I've had him pre-ordered for at least 50 years, it feels like. Mm, yes. Hopefully he appears sometime soon because there's an empty spot on my shelf for another beautiful sharky action figure. <laughs> you have an empty spot on your shelf? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm building more shelves, actually. Have I told you? Grammy, we're doing a shark episode. We have to talk Jaws. Obviously, we can't get away without talking Jaws at least a little bit, right? It's inevitable. We have to have to have to mention Jaws. I mean, so many things I could say. Jaws video games, Jaws the ride from down in Universal Studios. That was one of my first uh, traumatic experiences, actually. <laughs> we'll have to save that for another show. <laughs> <laughs> Join the Facebook group if you want to ask me about my traumatic experiences on Jaws the Ride. <laughs> or any in general. We have plenty of them. That's right. Exactly. Any, you, I'm an open book over on the Facebook group, Leftover Pizza Club on Facebook. Um, anyways, so if we're talking Jaws, there's a lot to talk about, but I think we should probably get back to basics and just talk about the movies. Which movie should I talk about? Am I going to talk about Jaws the Revenge, the much maligned fourth film starring Michael Caine? No, of course I'm not. Throw that one out the window. Jaws 2, cool sequel? No, not really worth my time, I don't think. Am I going to talk about the original Jaws grimy? No, because everybody talks about the original Jaws. So that leaves us with Jaws 3, People Zero. All right. What the fuck is that? I know that everybody who's listening was going and expecting me to say Jaws 3D. That's the third film that we got, right? It's the 3D Jaws movie that takes place in SeaWorld, and it's really stupid and cheesy, and it's got some really weird effects, and I think he explodes at the end, and fish parts yeah. go all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, we almost didn't get that movie. You want to know what we almost got? We actually, after part two, almost got a spoof movie written by two National Lampoon writers in the late 70s. Oh my god. Did they ever get anywhere with this movie? Did they... Was anything filmed at all? So, no. Nothing oh. was actually filmed that I could find. Oh, you're breaking but my heart. I know. And I'm going to break your heart even more when I describe to you what this is about. Hit me with it. So Jaws 3, People Zero, it was an original script that was pitched meant to be the third Jaws film, but instead of being a horror thriller like the first two Jaws movies, they pitched it as a spoof film. Kind of like what Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if you've seen that. Okay, that makes sense. Because it's one of those things like the original was so good in such a classic, just like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that, like, what more can you do with it? 
Like you might as well make fun of it at this point. You know, it's so iconic, even just a few short years after it released that why try to top it and why to try to best the thing that's already this iconic, incredible piece of filmmaking. You might as well spoof it because that's what the public is already doing. So that was kind of a brilliant idea right off the bat. So when I was doing research about this Jaws 3 People Zero, I had only heard rumblings about what it was supposed to be, a spoof. You want to know who got brought in as the producer when they were starting to write the script for this spoof movie? Oh, man. Can only imagine. A man named Maddie Simmons who was fresh off the success of a little-known movie called National Lampoon's Animal House. Really? Really. They took this spoof directly to the masters at the time, National Lampoon. So they brought that guy on as a producer, and uh, they commissioned two writers, a guy named Todd Carroll, and a guy, you might have heard of him, uh, called John Hughes, to write the script. (laughs) John Hughes? Yeah, I've never, never heard of that one. Never. Never never heard of him? <laughs> no. no. Yeah. No, he, he didn't make any classic movies that I can recall. Nothing no, like that. No, no Ferris Bueller's, none of that. No, no, no. And, uh, and for just a little bit, while this movie was actually in production, they did hire, or at least pursued a director. Do you know who they pursued to be the director of this movie? Who? A little unknown called Joe Dante. Joe Dante. Yeah. Do you know who Joe Dante is off the top of your head? Do you want me Negative. to break it down for you? Break it down. Mm. Heard heard of a little movie maybe called Gremlins? Really? Yeah. Joe Dante. Yeah. See, I'm I'm awful with names. Awful with like the behind the scenes guys and producers and stuff. I. You could tell me it was Steven Spielberg, and I would just yeah okay. I don't care. Want to watch the film? <laughs> Well, just think about it from from this perspective. The guy who wrote and directed classics such as Home Alone, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, 16 Candles. If we got that guy mashed up with the guy behind Gremlins, Gremlins 2, to make a spoof of the most iconic shark movie that's ever been produced. Can you imagine what that would be like? Oh, my God. I'm just devastated hearing about this this concept and knowing that it never came to fruition, like I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. And it's not the Sharkleberry Finn talking. <laughs> you have had a lot of that Sharkleberry Finn. I don't even want to know how much sugar you should oh, measure your blood man. sugar right now. Yeah, I, I should. So just quickly, just so you know, so you can maybe sleep a little bit easier tonight. The premise of the movie was about a film crew trying to make a Jaws sequel. So the movie is about them trying to make a Jaws movie. <laughs> and the premise of that jaws movie that they're making in this movie is that the shark is an alien (laughs) so so this this (laughs) shark within in the movie within a movie is an alien the the film crew that's making this fictitious jaws sequel is actually being hunted by a real great white oh my god so it's like a tropic thunder meets Jaws meets National Lampoons meets Gremlins. Oh, there's just a lot going on there. Yeah, I, I cannot a lot believe, going on. Cannot believe this is ever a thing that might have happened. Might have happened. Now let me let me keep reading because this gets even better. We're we're tying back to one of my previous picks here. You're gonna love this. The movie opens with the man who wrote Jaws. His name was Peter Benchley. Being eaten by a shark in his own swimming pool. (laughs) Like, talk about top tier level spoof. This would have been incredible. So meta, so fourth wall breaking. They had you in mind. They were like, this one's for Derek. Exactly. The the poor kid looking for sharks in his pool. (laughs) And there's like so much more that you can read about this. But here's um, my, my favorite part that I read aside from uh, the the shark being an alien there's a sequence where the shark is actually killed and this is like peak 70s comedy spoof movie so the shark is killed and then they gut the shark and then they start pulling things out of the shark's stomach which would have included a violin a coat and a big bag of weed (laughs) oh my god 
I can just picture like Cheech and Chong showing up at some point to take the weed out of the shark's stomach and then like fashioning a bong out of the shark's blowhole or something like that, you know? Oops, that's mine there, boy. <laughs> hey, man. I don't judge. I'll get high off of anything, man. <laughs> you got some of that Maui Wowie, man. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Jaws 3... People Zero would have been the greatest Jaws movie, maybe one of the greatest spoof movies ever made. But sadly, we got the 3D SeaWorld movie instead. Make this movie happen. Somebody make this movie happen. Just when you thought it was safe to eat shark bites. Crush dismissed. Shark bites fruit snacks. You've got to eat them before they eat you. He's big and he's back. The great white shark. Now in marked boxes of shark bites. Cool. So my last pick of the night. We are going to mention a lunchbox hero, if you will. The classic shark bites fruit snacks. You know what these are. I know what they are, but you said Lunchbox Hero, and I'm sorry. All I can think of uh, is that Foreigner song, Jukebox, Jukebox Hero. Lunchbox Hero. He got sharks in his eyes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did he say sharks or sharks? Sharks, probably. <laughs> but shark bites, man. I can't tell you how many times I wake up and just wish I could have shark bites one more time. Just wake up in a cold sweat. Yes. Totally. Yep. And I'm not talking about those uh, those knockoff ones. You know, they still make the knockoff shark fruit snacks. Like you can get them at like your save a lots and your Dollar Trees. And I don't know. Those aren't the same. And I know that anyone who's had the OG shark bites can tell me the exact same thing. These hit different. Uh, these came out. Oh, I think 1988 under a brand named Fruit Corner, which was part of General Mills and. Betty Crocker, I guess. So what are your thoughts on fruit snacks as a whole? Do you like them? Hate them? What's your, what's your deal? You know, I have a complicated history with fruit snacks. I enjoyed them well enough when I was a kid. Okay. But uh, it was never the thing I was reaching for. I think I always took them for granted because they were always packed into my lunchbox. It was like, they were almost a given. Every day I would have my, you know, main course, my sandwich or whatever, my juice box, maybe a bag of chips or something like that, and then fruit fruit snacks. So they were just always there. So, And I think I understand what you're saying about shark bites where there there's not really anything quite like it. Whatever they did in recent years to fruit snacks to make them healthier, like – it just ruined them. They don't taste anything like I remember them tasting when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's actually this my exact opinion, pretty much. Uh, fruit snacks in general are kind of hit and miss. There are some mm-hmm. that are really, really good, and you'll buy them over and over again. There, there are others that are like, really wish I wouldn't have fucking ate that. And I don't say that lightly about most candy in general. The texture and the flavor, they're all huge, important deals when it comes to fruit snacks. And, you know, when you're a kid... The box art also played a big role. And in my opinion, like, the original packaging was... It wasn't anything real special. It was pretty bland. It was kind of simplistic. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, I remember those vividly because I definitely got those a lot when I was a kid. Uh, and then later on down the line, my go-to after Shark Bites were the uh, Scooby-Doo gummies, which I yes. think they still make today. But I remember the uh, Scooby-Doo and the Shark Bites being, like, very similar in in a recipe. Yeah, definitely. Scooby-Doo ones were very similar. Um, There were also, what were they called? Berry Bears, which were also kind of, they were, like, in the same vicinity of uh, Shark Bites. They were an older brand, but... Um, they have gone through a lot of changes. Um, the artwork got a little bit different later on. It was like more of a, a CGI looking shark right in the middle of the uh, the box. There was a couple of changes within the original lineup too. Like they ended up doing, there was an opaque white colored one 
This is a great white. Um, that was kind of a big deal when it came out. Oh, yeah. And for some reason, those opaque ones are the ones that I love the most. They definitely had those in the Scooby-Doo ones, too. They had, like, a, an opaque blue one or something like that. When you got a bag loaded full of those ones, you were in for a real treat. Those things were just amazing. It's true. I don't know what it is about the opaque ones versus, like, the standard clear gummies, but they just... It's not even that they tasted better. They just felt special. It's just, like... It really played into that idea that came about in the mid to late 90s where, like, everything had to be collectible. And I blame Beanie Babies and Pokemon for that. And, like, so much so that they really started leaning into it even with our foods, right? Yeah. Like, the opaque gummies. They feel Mm -hmm. more special, so I want them more. Yep. Then they later tossed them out because they no longer used artificial coloring. So, I would trade artificial coloring for health any day. Just to have these opaque, fucking beautiful. <laughs> he's he's so he's so Ugh. passionate about this. Need my damn gummies back. But eventually, they did change the formula so much that they they just no longer read like an original gummy, like the original Shark Bites, like the old ones. I'm telling, they were like almost on the level of being like greasy. You know, they kind of like. Were like weird yeah. and melty on the outside, you know what I mean? Like the, the foil wrapper on the oh, inside, it had that like almost oily feeling to it, but it was just so good. They like melt instantly in your mouth. They were really, really nice chew to them. These knockoff brands, they're all awful. <laughs> you know who I blame are Welch's gummies. Welch's? Because I think yeah. Welch's was really in, in the early 2000s pushing their brand that they had. 100% fruit or all yeah. natural fruit or you know what I mean that they were derived from juice. like natural sources yeah, yeah some crap like that as if they were really that much healthier and in reality they weren't that much healthier but they tasted worse the Welch's <laughs> ones and the ones that were always like touting that they were he- the healthier option tasted so much worse and put so much pressure on all these other brands like Shark Bites the Scooby-Doo ones whatever to make healthier gummies that like Gummies just really got knocked down quite a few pegs in general because of the stupid health conscious folks around. Just let me have my disgusting, greasy ass, nasty old gummies, please. Class dismissed. Shark bites fruit snacks. You've got to eat them before they eat you. So I think that about wraps our shark show up. Hope all of you enjoy your shark week and you learn all kinds of sharktastic facts and all that good stuff. <laughs> and I hope you enjoyed the show. We had a lot of fun doing it. It was uh, an interesting one to put together, to say the least. I am so high on sugar. This man is seeing through time and space right now with yes. the amount of <laughs> sharkleberry fin he just ingested. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. As usual, we've got the summertime zine still up and ready to uh, to buy and to read. And it's so cheap, it's only two bucks, and that includes shipping. So go go nuts. Buy like ten of them. And just know that I'm sitting in my basement folding and cutting each and every single one of them and like painstakingly <laughs> making sure that they're perfect pulling my hair out over it so yeah check that out make sure that you uh join the leftover pizza club on facebook like i mentioned if you join you get a free sticker when you join no questions asked send that off in a free uh, membership letter and that's where you'll be able to uh check out videos earlier than everybody else because we send you a little private link to watch our videos when those come out and we just hang out and have a good time and oh Also, keep your eyes peeled. We have some fun Halloween stuff coming up. Probably next month, I think, is when we're starting. Yes, so getting a jump on it early. Because you all know that Halloween starts as soon as July ends. So be on the lookout for all and everything Halloween very, 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 very soon. We're excited. We hope you're excited. It's going to be a fucking blast. Absolutely. Uh, And lastly, make sure that you subscribe to us wherever you listen to us and drop us a rating. It helps. It helps. It helps. It does. It really does. 
Helps us little accounts grow big, 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 and strong. And with that, I am Grimy from Retroplasm. And I am Derek from itsdemboys.com. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Peace out. Y'all don't get eaten by a shark in your bathtub now, you hear? <laughs> check your check your bathtubs. Check your pools. Jaws might be in there. Check your jug of water that's sitting in the fridge. He might have a bag of weed in his stummy. <laughs> his stummy. <laughs> oh, I got a shark. I'll be right back. Out in the surf, there's a bunch of fins. The lifeguard, he 